joy and to know that he's good. Amen. He's faithful. And I'm so grateful today that uh, we can trust the Lord. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, proclaim his word this morning. Grateful that uh, you didn't take the opportunity to leave when you had it. You're still here. So uh, praise the Lord. Don't be getting ideas for the next time. I've, uh, Pastor BJ has heard me uh, share a little bit from time to time about uh, how it's a different season of life, a different way of going about things from what uh, I was used to prior to moving here. But uh, I have uh, I've learned, I think, a very important life lesson, and that simply be don't push away or begrudge the new doors, the new opportunities. That seem to be opening in front of you just because you've never been there or done it that way or, or had it happen to you that way in life. I'm convinced more and more all the time that uh, when we're faced with, as we'll talk about even more here in just a moment, with uncharted territory, that is never the moment for us to be scared and to say, uh uh, no way, no how. It's the moment for, as my, my grandma would have said, take the nerve in your hand. Uh, I would say, Put your faith and trust in the Lord and walk through that new door and that new opportunity. Because surely, when we are stepping outside of where we know that we have everything under control and we know that it's safe, we are stepping into the most fertile ground we can be in for God to use us and show Himself strong and powerful in our lives. Amen? If you're not halfway on board with that, the rest of the message is going to be hard for you. So, uh, but I'd invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Gospel, uh, to the Book of Acts, Acts chapter ten. Acts chapter ten. We're going to think for a, a few moments this morning about what it means to navigate uncharted territory. Would you pray with me? Father, I never come to these moments that I don't uh, sense the gravity and the weight of the responsibility. But I also never arrive at these moments that I don't sense your faithfulness and, uh, and your calling. And so I'm confident as ever this morning that, uh, that you will prevent me from impressing and that you will mysteriously hide me so that you can be seen and you can be heard. As Job said, that uh, we will not just hear with our ears, but our eyes will see and behold what you would say to us. I pray that you'll help each of us in these moments to really lean in, listen, hear, and let you speak life to us because you want to declare that to us. You are faithful, loving, and good beyond what we can even fully comprehend. And I pray that you would help us to live into the wonder the majesty of what it means to walk with you, to serve you now and for all of eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was introduced to a, to a book a few years ago that, uh, that had quite an impact on my life and still does. And uh, I'm grateful for it. I was intrigued by it because it... Uh, it referenced uh, what I think is one of the greatest uh, stories of human adventure and endeavor 
uh, that we know about in all of history. Most of us grew up at some point in time hearing about a couple of men, and we, if you don't know anything, you might at least know their last names, Lewis and Clark. Um, I'm not sure if it's still taught in public schools, their story. I think it is in, in a lot of places. If you're, if you're a senior in high school or down, have you, have you heard about Lewis and Clark in school? Some of you still want to be a senior in high school? <laughs> it's all right. Hang on to it long as you can. May 12th of 1804, uh, Thomas Jefferson, President of the United States, had commissioned uh, Lewis and Clark to lead an expedition into what was then totally uncharted territory. Essentially, everything we know today that is west of the Mississippi River, nobody knew much about. Had much idea of what's out there. They especially didn't once you got uh, beyond, say, uh, old central Iowa today. That, that sort of you kind of drew it. Once you, you got much past that. Um, and so, because Thomas Jefferson had bought all that for the country at the wonderful uh, economical price of five cents an acre, uh, wouldn't you love to have those prices? Um, he sent them out on this journey. He knew it would take them at least a year, maybe two, to accomplish uh, this journey. That's what they thought. He told Congress, I believe if you would set aside $2,500, that should cover all the expenses for the trip. He was wrong, but it was close. Uh, so on May the 12th, 1804, they set out. They, they had one clear goal in mind. They, they hoped and they believed that there was an all-water route across the country, from the Atlantic to the Pacific, that somehow they could figure out a way, they believed that, that they could find a way to navigate by water all the way from the east coast to the west coast, or at least from the Mississippi to the, to the west coast. That's what they were hoping to find. Uh, they would return miraculously without any loss of life, and in fact with a new baby that had been born on the way on September the 23rd, 1806, it had taken them a little more than two years. And most of their journeys, nobody knew whether they were alive or dead until they got back. There was some communication, but it was very, very sparse, nothing like what we would imagine today. They made one assumption that proved to be terribly wrong. And, and the story is relevant for us today because it's an assumption that almost all of us continue to make down to today. Even though we know that, that change is a fundamental part of our life, Lewis and Clark assumed that they would find in front of them what they had experienced behind them. They, they assumed, because th th this territory they were venturing into wasn't even on maps, they assumed that it would be just a continuation of what they had already experienced here. And they weren't far off until they ran into a little thing called the Rocky Mountains. And here's the problem. How do you canoe over mountains? <laughs> You know, they, they, had, they had really expected that, that you know, we'll, we'll, put our, we'll put our boats in, we'll hit up the Missouri River, 
we'll follow it, and eventually we'll get to what they believe that they were. Their theory was that there was a continental divide of some sort, and we'll, where the rivers will all start flowing the other direction. We'll pick our boats up, put them in on the other side, and we'll sail off on, over to the Pacific. They even thought that when they first encountered the Rocky Mountains. Okay, that's a, we've never seen that before. That's, that's more than a hill. But we'll cross that one, and then we'll put our boats in the water. And after a day of getting over that first one, all they saw, or as far as they could see, were more and more and more mountains. They went on forever, it seemed. They knew now that the territory ahead of them was far different than the territory behind them. Where they had lived, where they had journeyed, what they had gone through was going to be totally different ahead of them. They were off the map. They were in uncharted territory. You know, some have, have, have said, well, but, but this, this is one of the greatest adventures of man. You, you really can't put them ahead of, of the men that went to the moon. That's got to be at the very top. But you know what? At least the men who went to the moon had seen the moon. They, they knew it was there. They knew they could get to it. They knew it was, well, they didn't know for sure if they could get to it, but they knew it was there. They had, they had a vision of where they were headed. Lewis and Clark didn't even know and had no way to talk to anybody, no way to call back, no way that they were on their own in uncharted territory. At least that's how it felt. It was uncharted. And when we're in uncharted territory, when they were in uncharted territory, it comes with all the things that you would typically expect. Things are unpredictable. We don't typically like things to be unpredictable. We tend to enjoy when we know what's coming next, when we can anticipate, when we can prepare, when we can be ready. Things are scary. Uh, I used to think as a, as a child, I can't wait to be an adult because then I won't be scared anymore. I think I may have more days when I'm frightened now as an adult. And I may have been as a child. I'm probably for different reasons. There's things that come up. Uh, but things were scary. Things were unpredictable. Things were unknown. It was risky. There were so many opportunities for things to go wrong that it would have normally paralyzed just about anyone with fear. Uh, somebody once said, Do you know why the city of Denver is where it's at? Because of the Rocky Mountains, they, didn't, they weren't going any further. All right, here's, this is as far as we're going. We're not going over that, so we're going to put the city right here. Sometimes that's, that's what we tend to do. We come to an uncharted territory, we come to an obstacle, and instead of pressing on, we say, no, I'm going to camp out. No offense to Denver, I, I hear it's a great city, I've never been there myself. But, but that is, is, a, is a big part of why it's there. We don't, we don't want to press on any further. We don't want to get to the other side. We don't want to make it on down that road. What they, what they didn't know, though, was that there would be untapped resources that they would unlock. They would, they would make friends of complete strangers who would help them all along. People who they had thought were 10 feet tall and savages and, and were cannibals became some of their best friends and saved, saved their life time and time again. They learned about themselves on the journey. 
For some, the, the, the story took its toll. But for most, it, it set them on a whole new path. And it certainly set our country on a whole new path. We discovered that this land is far more vast and far more varied and far greater geographically than anything we've ever known or anything the world had ever known. And who knows how long it would have taken for us to make that discovery had those two men, along with the 39 others on the, in the group, had they not said, we're pressing on and we're going on no matter what. But one of the scariest things for us when we face uncharted territory, and I think I've talked to enough people, counseled with enough people to know that this is true. One of the questions I hear most often when I'm talking to someone and they're explaining, uh, we're in this new stage of life, we're in this new territory, we, uh, we've never done this before, we've never had this happen before, we're facing areas of life that we've never gone through, and, and, and my family, we've, we've been there time and time again as well. One of the most often heard questions, at least that I get, is how will I know that God is going to be faithful in this, that he'll be there? How will I know that? How can, and, there's, and, there's, and there's a real faith crisis when we're entering into mysterious territory, when we're venturing out into a new job, when it's a move, or, or when it's something totally foreign to us, we all have uncharted territory that we've either gone through or we will go through in our lives. Will God be there? Can he be trusted? I want you to hear this morning, Fred's gonna, gonna come and, uh, and share a testimony with us. I think it'll help us to see a little clearer what God can be up to in uncharted territory. Well, I don't want to be guilty of embellishing a story, and that's easy to do. Uh, Especially when it has to do with the family. So I will just, uh, I'll just read what a young lady had to say. Um, excuse me here. Okay. Uh, this has to do with my father. Um, this is written by a. Nurse, the nurse's aide that he had at the nursing home, and I remember her well. And he, she was very kind to dad, took care of him very well. And she was uh, studying to be a RN, so she was doing that at the same time she's pregnant and working all the hours she worked out there. So she was a very busy lady, and I think she had a child already, two children before. So I'm looking at Leanna. She's helping with this. So, um, very busy and, and a lot of stress. And uh, so she writes this at the time of uh, the birth of her child, her third child. So I wanted to share a story with you all. Before we lost one of our residents, he and I grew closer and closer. With each prayer over several shifts, he would pray for some relief as I had a rough time this pregnancy. He told me that God would help me through with a very fast and easy delivery, which I had. Two hours of labor, four pushes, and he was here. 
we would sit and share tears and prayers and just talk. And I remember walking in, and that's exactly what would be going on. <laughs> and uh, he also told me that he would love to be here to meet the baby. But if he couldn't be, he would be with me somehow, some way. So during her delivery, she was encountering some pain. He said she didn't have an epidural. And so she was having some pain and difficulties. And her nurse happened to notice that and went to her and began to help her with the breathing and the contractions and all that goes on there. And uh, I don't mean to make light of that. <laughs> but anyway, the nurse, uh, so the nurse was there to help her and help her through it. And like she said, pretty short, four pushes or whatever that was. Two hours of labor, four pushes, and she has a baby boy. And so as they, I guess the nurse prayed with her, and, and uh, they had some time together. And as come to find out, she relates this story to the nurse. And the nurse said, uh, she said, I was in Pitwell. Where was that nursing home? Pittsfield. Uh, where was that? Well, it was east side. Uh, who would that patient be? And he, she has to be careful. She said, well, his name was John. And uh, the nurse said, would that happen to be John Ruzich? And she said, yes, it was. How would you know that? And she said, that was my grandfather. So <laughs> how dad had nerve enough to say, or nerve, or to know that somehow I'll be there with you. I, I don't know. What's that? I, I don't know how he knew that, except that the Holy Spirit led him to say that. And that was certain, I don't want to go into his, his sermon, but that was uncharted territory for dad as far as being there in the nursing home and, and knowing when to say enough is enough. And I remember talking to him various times and he would say, uh, God's not me here for a reason. I don't know what it is, but he hasn't released me. And when God did release him, he was, he knew it. And he was good with it. And so then he decided not to do the dialysis anymore. But how he knew, how he could have the, the foresight to say those words, I'll be with you somehow, it was definitely attributed to the Holy Spirit. And I think it was all those times he lay there and prayed, and when I go in early morning, he'd have his Bible open. And so I, that was uncharted territory for him, but I can rest, rest assured to tell you that God let him through that uncharted territory. Thank you for everyone. You may travel completely uncharted territories, places you've never been, circumstances you've never encountered, things that you're as sure as you can be that you don't have the resources in and of yourself. But you do not travel alone. There is one who is with you and will be with you and is faithful to you. What uncharted territory have you been through? Take, take just a moment and take stock. Uh, when I did this earlier in the week, some of it was painful, some of it was joyous, but Think back to at least one time when you encountered a circumstance, the phone rang, and out of the blue, you're off to the race with something that you never predicted, 
you never thought was going to happen, you never wanted it to happen, but your life and you're in uncharted territory. Uh, maybe it wasn't so dramatic as that, maybe it was just the changing of the seasons. Graduated high school, never been in this new territory, heard about it a lot, but I've never been here before. Never looked at this situation like this. I've never faced this quite the way it is. What does uncharted territory look like for you? For some of us, it's not the outward circumstances as much as we've had a light shown on ourselves. We've looked in the mirror and we've seen something that we haven't seen before. God has been faithful to reveal something. And, and Lord, I, did, I didn't see that before. I didn't realize that was there. It's, what will I do in those moments? It's uncharted territory. Here's, here's a piece of advice. We must become adventurers. That, does, that may not sound uh, terribly profound, but it's so true. Too many times we miss everything that God has for us and everything that He wants to do because of fear. Lewis and Clark, with all the crew, could have easily said, um, we're just going to play it safe when those Rocky Mountains appear. We, we, didn't, we weren't expecting that. We didn't plan for that. We didn't, we didn't hire the resources enough for all of that. We don't, we don't have this on the agenda. So, so let's play it safe and just stop. But you see, their mindset was, no, we have, we have a mission to accomplish. We have a goal set before us. And so we're going to pursue that. We must become adventurers. God has always been calling us beyond ourselves and our present circumstances. For the disciples, and we're going to look at Peter here very quickly in Acts chapter 10, he in particular was one who, who because of Christ, faced uncharted territory. Uh, Peter, uh, like Paul, was a Jew's Jew. He, 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 was, he was up on all the ritual. He was up on being the best Jew he could be. Peter knew all about it. Most of the disciples had a very clear understanding of what it meant. But what threw a monkey wrench into all of it, what became one of their rocky mountains, if you will, pretty quickly, was that, that Jesus had said, uh, it's not just about these chosen people called the Jews. This gospel will be for the whole world. Jew and Gentile alike. Gentiles? Think of the worst people group you can think of on the planet. For those people, they get the gospel too. They get to be told the good news. They get to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter was in uncharted territory. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 24, we, we read about a, a circumstance that Peter went through with a man named Cornelius. Following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. Now, Lord had told Cornelius this, this meeting needed to happen. Okay? So he had arranged for this. Verse 25 As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go with one of another nation. In other words, 
you know I'm breaking the law by even being here. I really shouldn't even be in your house. I should not even be here. You know what I'm doing just by showing up here, just simply by being in this place. Uh, but God has shown me that I should not call any man uncommon or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, this is a good picture of worship in our gathering as well, I thought when I read this. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to do all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who sent uh, and with power and who, who sent the sorry, lost my place there. That word which you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Say, God was with him. So important to remember. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of their sins. Whosoever. Now, Peter sounds like he's got a great command on what's going on, but I just suspect that if we could step inside of old Peter in this moment, there's some fear and trembling going on. He is not in familiar territory. He is not among familiar people. He has stepped out far beyond the circles that are normal to him, far beyond the territory that he's used to, and he is stepping out into faith and saying, I'm just here. I'm actually breaking the law by being here. I'm only here because God sent me and because you asked me to come. Is that enough? It's a good question for us this morning. Are you at a place in your walk with Christ that it's enough 
be able to say, I don't have any other reason to go this way, to be here, to take this step, to do this thing that I'm about to do, but that I know God has called me to do it. I know that God has made it known to me that this is the step I'm supposed to take. I can remember many, many times, but I can certainly remember the first time I ever did this. And I won't go into all the details, but I remember being confronted with God saying to me, you've got your future marked out for you. You've got your plan. I'd like to just take that and turn it 180 degrees, if that's okay with you. And I was, honestly, in the moment, just me, I wanted to say, I'm fine with that, Lord. But there are other people in my life who won't be. There are other people who, who I deal with uh, that they're going to struggle with this. Kind of like Moses being called out to go to the children of Israel and I may be willing to go, or I might consider it, but you're going to have to tell me who's sending me. Because they're going to ask. They're going to want to know. They're going to want details. And, and that's how it felt so many times. But I had to mature and grow up in that moment to come to a place and say, I don't need any other reason but that I know that God has spoken or witness with my heart that this is the direction I'm supposed to go. This is the way. Walk in. And that was enough. Did other people understand? Not everybody. Did other people think it was a bad decision? Quite a few. Did I survive it? I am. Raise his name. And he was there. He was faithful. We sang this morning, don't let him go with me. Still, I will follow. I, I don't think that's an admonition of, I don't expect anybody else to believe me, but I think it is an admonition to say, I need to be about my relationship with the Lord in such a way that though nobody else goes, I'm going. Though nobody else follows, I'm following. I have, I, I have sold out, I have fully surrendered. He has all of me. We must become adventurers because God is calling each and every one of us. It's a, it's a changing world out there. But the one thing that never changes is the need for people to hear the gospel. But if you're not an adventurer, you will get bound up in, in modes and ways and means of the past, and you will be removed from marching into new territory, from adventuring into the new thing that God is wanting to do. And we don't have to be fearful. You see, in the church, we, we, we're, we're just as susceptible to this as anybody. Well, what if that means we lose our rituals? And what if that means things that we've, we've held on to for so long go away? But life is about letting go. I know that's not a billboard that we want, but life it has that flow to it. Wouldn't it be better that we learn how to live abundantly into that rather than living fearfully holding it, trying to hold it at bay? Well, we really can't anyway. We really can't. I believe that God calls us to be adventurers into uncharted territory, to take steps of boldness that absolutely do put us in those places and say, God, here I go. I believe that when I take this step, you're either going to catch me or you're going to teach me how to fly. But I'm going to go. 
And I, for one, can testify to you that he is very good at either catching us and carrying us or teaching us how to fly. He knows how to do it. He's been at this a whole lot longer than any of us have been. He's so faithful. He's so good. What are some practical steps? Real quickly, look at we, we need to start with conviction. You don't just leap and be blind and leaping. You don't just venture out just because you're restless. You start with conviction. Peter didn't just go to the Gentiles because he said, I've never been to Cornelius' house. I hear the food's good. I think I'll go see what it's about. He went because he was led. He went because he was directed to do that. So how do we grab a hold of that? We pray and we fast. Others pray and fast. It was happening on both sides of the story. Cornelius, others, there was a lot of prayer a lot of communicating with God, a lot of fasting, a lot of a lot of putting away other things that have, have a tendency to gain our appetites and focus in upon the Lord until there was a direction and a conviction. The Bible contains 92 passages that mention fasting. Many of our heroes of the faith are, are, are noted for their fasting. Moses, Elijah, Esther, Nehemiah, Daniel, Paul, they all fasted at crucial points. Seeking God's will or direction is, is different from petitioning him for something we desire. When the Israelites were in conflict with the tribe of Benjamin, they sought God's will through fasting. The entire army fasted until evening and the men of Israel asked the Lord, shall we go out again and fight against our brother Benjamin or shall we stop? It's in Judges chapter 20. Acts 13, the first three verses imply that church leaders were seeking God's direction for their ministry through prayer and fasting. The Holy Spirit responded by saying, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice, I have called them, he says. In both instances, people fasted and pray to determine God's will. Now, oftentimes, fasting is absolutely linked to food, and that's kind of a universal want, a universal desire for all of us. But I, but I think fasting can certainly be brought up to the degree to say anything that is buying for your affection and your attention, rather than you being able to take that attention and affection and focus it on God, is something you need to consider fasting. If it's grabbing at you, if it's pulling at you, if it's demanding that you give it time and honor and pay homage to it, if it's pulling you away from giving your affection and your time and your devotion to hearing from God and obeying Him, that's something to consider fasting. At least for a season, because you want to hear more clearly the direction of leading the Lord. Start with conviction. Stay calm. Boy, that's an important one. Stay calm. There's a difference between urgency and emergency. And they're similar words, they sound the same, but they're, they're not the same at all. There's a difference between urgency and emergency. One is an intentional outward focus. The other is an inward reactionary response. One you have some control over, the other you don't. One you're just responding to, the other you're intentionally pursuing. But stay calm, keep the course, actually. Chapter 1, verse 4. 
Jesus tells the disciples that they are as eager to go as anybody can be. They've just seen him rise from the dead. He's about to ascend back to the Father. And he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Wait for the gift of the Father. Stay calm. You can do this. But let God direct the way. Let God provide the resources. Let Him lead you and guide you. Stay connected. Start with conviction. Stay calm. Stay connected. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Prayer, all these link together. These aren't, this isn't a do A, B, C, and you'll get D. It's a, it's a plug all of these in together. Start with conviction. Stay calm. Stay connected. Surround yourself with other godly travelers on the journey. Other people who are aiming for the same goal that you are. Lewis and Clark weren't commissioned and said, no, we don't need anybody. We'll just handle this ourselves, Mr. Jefferson. They took a lot of people with them because, and each of those people were specific because of the strengths and abilities they brought to the team. They knew they would need them Along the way, there would be there would be times when they would be needed singularly for the one thing they were best at doing, and it, and it many times it saved the whole adventure. Stay the course. Stay the course. Satan always attacks with doubt and with fear and with unanticipated obstacles. Every time you venture out into a new thing that God wants to lead you into, I guarantee you you're going to run into obstacles. It will happen. We have this backwards far too often. We think to ourselves, if, if I get the mind of God and I know the direction He wants me to go, if I take a step of obedience, the waters are just automatically going to part and everything is going to be wonderful. Sometimes that happens. And that's great. And there are moments along the way when that absolutely does. But there are also challenges and obstacles that will rear their head at the most unanticipated times. Satan wants nothing more than to throw us off course that will make us doubt and to fear. Jesus, our model of the faith, set his face toward Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. He never lost sight of the goal when the needs of the disciples, when the needs of, of, of followers and believers and, and just the crowd and, and those in power around him, all those things began conspiring together to lead him off course. He never lost sight of the goal. And he stayed the course. It's what gets us all the way there. Because there will always be people in the crowd that say, see, I knew this was a bad idea. Look what's happening. Stay the course. Once you have the direction of God, stay the course. What's the conclusion? Satan will always be putting unforeseen obstacles in the way. We must be courageous people in the face of all the unknowns. There's always going to be unknowns. There's, uh, you know, if the Lord tarries and the sun comes up tomorrow, nobody in this room has lived November 18, 2019. You didn't get a practice. You didn't get to go at it once and see some things that didn't work out. And say, okay, now, now I'm ready for Monday. You get to step into it and into those moments and into those places where there's probably some, some uncharted territory. And they may even be just momentary places. 
but we get to make a choice. Will I trust that God is going before me and he's with me, or will I cower in fear, believing that huddling down and staying back is the way of safety? What will I do? When our musicians make their way back up, I want you to hear some old words from a long ago prophet. I can't wait to meet Isaiah one of these days. I think I'm going to spend quite a bit of time just Buddy, let's talk. Because you shared some things that uh, are so intriguing to me. In chapter 35, just listen to his words. Because it speaks so relevantly to, can we trust God in uncharted territory? Can we trust God to show up in the place? You know, it's easy to be here and say, I sense his presence. I feel the peace. I, I, I'm surrounded by those that love me there. It is tougher when we venture out of here, right? When we're in some godless places and we're surrounded by people who aren't necessarily pursuing the same journey. Listen to what Isaiah says. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Wilderness is aren't supposed to blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame, the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Praise the Lord. Will you become an adventurer? Are you, are you willing to step out and pursue what God has for you, trusting that it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of the desert, He's the God who can spring forth water right out of a rock. You are not facing anything that he doesn't have an answer for. He can somehow make a person who has closed his eyes in death be present when a new life enters this world. How does that happen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his word in our lives. I promise you, what lays ahead of us will not look like what has been behind us. But I can also promise you this, on the authority of God's word, no matter what uncharted territory may be out there, he will be faithful. Amen. He will fail away. Would you stand with me this morning?
Maybe you just need to pray right, right where you're at. What's been keeping you from knowing the abundant, spirit-filled life that God has for you? What's been keeping you hesitating, causing you to say, I'm just not sure, so I just, I just think I'll go back. God is calling us not to live careless lives, but to live adventurous lives. Lives that are willing to step out into uncharted territory with confidence because we know he's with us. And we know he goes before us and we know he's the one that's calling us out into those places. So I'd encourage you this morning as they begin to play, stop managing the obstacles in your life. Stop tolerating those things that you know are keeping you from experiencing everything God wants for you. You can surrender them. You can let go of them. There where you're standing at an altar of prayer, in your car on the way home, at, at a bedside tonight, but don't keep managing the obstacles. Don't keep tolerating Satan's attacks. Don't keep letting him keep you bound. You can be free. You can be an adventurer. You can move into everything that God has for you. Maybe you've lived scared. Maybe you've played it safe. And maybe you've held on to the past and been living below your best for far too long. And it can end right now. Praise God. It can. You can be free. Right now. Forever. If you want that, at least invite you. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I'd be the first to confess that still to this day, it's tempting to, for fear to creep in. It's tempting to want to stay where, I, where I'm familiar and where I feel safe and not travel into uncharted territory. And yet I know that every day brings uncharted territory. I know that every choice I make, there's going to be ramifications for it. I, I, I can't predict all of that. And, and as as, as a husband and as a father, I feel a, a tremendous sense of responsibility. And I'm so grateful that all you call me to do is to surrender and to trust you. To let you take me by the hand and say, I've, I've got a good place for you. I've got a good plan for you. I've got a great journey for you. But you've got to let go. You've got to let me fill you with my spirit so that you'll be an adventurer. You'll trust me. You'll hear my voice. You'll know my leading. And I will move you into places that you never imagined before. Father, here we are for every soul in this room that needs to acknowledge I've been playing it safe for too long. I've been hanging on to old ways, not just because they're old, but because they, I, I felt like it was safe back there. At least that was predictable, or it seemed like it was. But you're calling me to something greater. You have a plan. Not, and for us as individuals, for us as families, for us as churches, in the vocations that we have, in every part of life, you're calling us out to take you by the hand and to trust you. And the adventure that you have for us is nothing less glorious. Help us to walk with our hand in yours and to trust you. 
today. We love you. Thank you that though our future won't look like our past, there is untapped resources there. We will find you there. We will see your hand at work. You will make the impossible possible. Help us to move forward with you, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, we want to share a couple of quick announcements with you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Greg. You may be seated for just a moment. Um, one of the great things about the very God is leading us as a church is that uh, as we come together and worship together in this corporate setting, one of the things that I desire is for, for us to have a desire to want more and to want to grow together. So we're trying some different things, uh, as you can tell, with our order of service. But I would hope that as we leave on Sunday mornings uh, or Sunday nights or whatever that may be, when we gather together to worship, that it would drive us to want to be involved a little bit more and to grab something else. So that's why today we're going to share some announcements with you as you leave so that you're aware of what's going on in the life of our church and you can get plugged in. And so I want to start by just telling you next Saturday is going to be a special day. Now, if you've been coming to this church for a while and or maybe not for a long time, but you're just curious, I come to this church that says Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, and I know where Pittsfield is, I know what church is, I know... Where I'm at. Uh, this other word, Nazarene, I don't really get it. I don't understand it. Uh, and I just would be curious to know what, what more about it. So we're going to have a day next Saturday at 2 o'clock, right here at the church, for anybody who's interested in knowing more about what it means to be a Nazarene. And so we want to invite you if, you, if you are not a member of the church or if you are a member of the church and you just need a refresher, we would love to invite you. It's going to be a one day class from 2 o'clock to about 5.30, and we're going to cover everything we can uh, about what it means to be a Nazarene. So if you are interested in that, you want to be a part of that, would you just contact the church office so that we can make arrangements, there will be materials that we'll provide for you, and uh, so we want to make sure we have enough for everybody else to come. So uh, if you want to come, come on, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get together next Saturday at 2 o'clock, so we're looking forward to that. Again, tomorrow starts a collection week for Operation Christmas Child. If you want to get involved with that, please see Bob and Carla, and they will be able to plug you in in different, very, uh, different places that you can serve throughout the week. We're looking forward to a great week of serving our community as well. I uh, also want to know, let you know that last week we want to thank you for the, the turnout at the fundraiser for the youth and the barbecue dinner. What a great time we had fellowshiping together and uh, raising some money for our teens. It was a great day. But on top of that, you've seen the table outside uh, for calendars. If you want a 2020 calendar for the teens, please sign up. Your last day to get those is this Wednesday, correct? So we want to make sure you get that and get that taken care of. And so we're looking forward. Do you have a question, Della? Okay. Give me one second. We'll get to you. All right. Thank you. Uh, if you're on the Sunday School Board, we want to invite you. Uh, tonight is our regularly scheduled meeting, but I want to give a caveat because there's two things going on at the same time tonight. SDMI, if you're on that council, 5 o'clock tonight in the upper area, but also choir practice. If you're in the choir, tonight is a combined practice with the Nebo Church Choir, so please be here at 5 o'clock. Is that correct? And if you're on the Sunday School Board and on the choir, I want to encourage you to go to choir practice, okay? We will fill you in on meetings great stuff later, but choir practice will take priority tonight as there's only one choir practice together tonight, so we don't want you to miss that. So 5 o'clock choir, 5 o'clock Sunday School Board tonight, 
and doing what you got. Della, what is your announcement? We need help in anyone that is able to come and help us clean up some toys. Because uh, December the 6th, we will be having a party for the needy children. And it will be on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We'll start at 10 o'clock, and you can work as long as you like. We appreciate your help. All right, every year we, we have a Christmas gathering for the Samaritan's Closet, and that's what she's referring to. And so there's toys and then different things that the kids will come in and, and uh, take to give to their family members. And so it's a great special time. So if you can help and share your gift of time and cleaning and uh, tidying up, we would appreciate it. Please see Della if you have any questions on that, and she'll get you more details on that. Is Chris Real still in here? Chris, come on up. Chris has an announcement for us as well. As some of you know, it's a beer season here in Pike County, so um, the Illinois Access Outdoors is offering where they're uh, taking beer in, and they're asking for monetary donations. It's been an overwhelming response this year with the, with the deer being taken in out of Smith Taxidermy and Hilltop uh, Meats out there. They, they've really gone through what they've had in their, their money, they're getting so many deer, which is great, they still need them, but they're, they're looking for monetary donations uh, to cover the cost of the processing. The old processor charged them $100 a deer, they're now going to be getting charged 85 but in the past, I've watched deer out there just go to waste. Um, for many years, I've watched a lot of deer just get put in a dumpster because the hunter wasn't willing to take it to the trailer, wherever the trailer may be, but now they're doing it right there and they're, they're getting an overwhelming response, which is a great thing. Uh, Todd said, told me, he said, he said, you know, Chris, he said, when I started this, it was just something to do to kind of help out. But he told me, he said, I had a gentleman come in here the other day and with tears in his eyes, thanked me for what he was doing in, in their, in their processing this meat, so that's being being taken to counties all around, not just here in Pike County. It's going to Brown, uh, Scott, Adams, and Skyler, I believe, just just from here. So if, uh, if that's something that you'd be interested in, you can see me or see Todd out there at the shop. Um, but they would greatly appreciate any monetary donations for this um, for this cause. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Just, just so we're clear, that goes to help uh, feed some needy people that can't afford to get their meat and processed, and so uh, that's what he's talking about there. So please, if you can help out there to help our community, that would be a great thing as well. I want to invite you to stand with me and receive the benediction as we go our separate ways today. As we leave this place, may God give us eyes to see what he wants to show us. Ears to hear what he's trying to tell us. And heart to see others the way he sees us. May you have a great day. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tonight. Thank you.